you are listening to the Sermon Podcast at Bethel. We're an evangelical covenant church located in western Wisconsin outside of Ellsworth, and you can find out more about us on our website, BethelCov.org. My name is Todd Speaker. I'm the pastor here, and thank you for listening. Open, if you would, in your Bibles uh, to the book of Acts. Uh, chapter 28, and we're going to be looking at verse 23 through 31. One of the fun things about having kids, in my experience, is this too. He's coming up here gradually. Um, one of the fun things about having kids is that you um, uh, get a chance to see some of the things that are in you reflected back at you. Um, <laughs> and, and you don't realize quite what they look like until you see it uh, in somebody else. And um, one thing that I see uh, reflected back at me all the time um, is something that I used to uh, notice in my dad and still do. Uh, that I have in me and that, that Foster has hit an age where he's started to display this too. Uh, and something I've realized is, you know, that they talk about the sins of the father, right? The speaker family. Uh, one of the things that is true about all three of us, and I don't know about Axel yet, is uh, my dad, myself, and Foster, we all like to have a plan. Um, and, and, not, and it's okay to like to have a plan. Uh, where it becomes a problem is we all have trouble uh, when that plan uh, doesn't quite work out. Okay, uh, so my dad, uh, he's an engineer, and so he, you know, everything's a plan for him. He's a software engineer, and, and growing up, he would drill into me the, the five and sometimes six Ps of proper planning prevents poor performance, uh, and, and that's him. And I remember as a kid, uh, John knows what the other P is, um, <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, uh, there'd be times when uh, some small thing would thwart our family plans, and, and it was a big deal to my dad. It was, a, it was a real problem. And I remember in growing up thinking, man, like, get over it. It's not that big of a deal. And then as I got older, I discovered, oh, yeah, uh, when something small changes, when one thing's not quite right, like, I feel it. I get, I get hot. I get frustrated, like, instantly. And in the last few weeks, I've noticed it with Foster, because he started going to school. And I remember his first day off the bus, he was like, okay, dad, uh, I'm going to go and play with our neighbors, and we're going to ride bikes right after school. But, of course, we had different plans, and it, and it didn't work out, and it really bothered him. Uh, and, to and I was like, oh, boy, <laughs> that's what that looks like. Because <laughs> when it's your thing, it feels like a big deal, but when it's somebody else's thing, it doesn't feel like so much of a big deal. Um, <clears throat> You know, and I've, as I've noticed, uh, with, with in my own life and in Foster's life, is, is our plans, whatever they are, uh, good and bad, and sometimes they're really important, sometimes they're not so important. Uh, when they don't work out, at least for me, uh, I get really, really frustrated, and it, and it just, it kind of it kind of stops me, and, and if it's really important, I feel really discouraged. You know, if we plan something out for church, and it doesn't go the way that I'm hoping it'll go, like, you're just like, oh man, like, what's the point, you know, and and I see that in myself. Um, well, today uh, we're, we're finishing uh, the, the book of Acts, and we're looking at the last page of Acts. And, and one thing uh, happens throughout Acts, if you've been with us this summer, you'll notice, 
is that uh, God's plans in Acts, um, they, they can't be stopped. Uh, it's really interesting. You know, well, my plans, you know, uh, things get in the way or people don't act how I, how I want them to act or, or, you know, the light turns red at the wrong time and, and it wrecks my plans. Uh, but, but Acts is sort of the opposite kind of story. Uh, if you've been with us this summer, uh, you've noticed that basically uh, God's Holy Spirit uh, simply can't be stopped. Uh, if you wanted to get one theme out of the whole book of Acts, uh, you can see it again and again, because basically what happens um, page after page after page is human beings and um, spiritual evil and um, all the different things that humans do, our own selfishness or well-intentioned um, hurtful things or whatever, like everything comes up against uh, the spirit and, and they just can't stop it. So, um, for example, you know, in the very beginning of the church, as the church is coming together, uh, there's... Uh, people that are, are lying about how much they're contributing and their generosity, they're exaggerating it, and, and something, uh, something really bad happens to them. It's really hard. They actually they die, and that's the first example of, like, here's this sort of corruption working its way into the church, and the spirit just can't be stopped. You notice um, uh, right after that, there's some division and conflict in the church over food, which most conflicts, good conflicts, are about food. Um, and, and it threatens to pull that first church apart as they're following the Spirit, and, and those divisions are, are healed. People come together in a way that we don't always see. They come together. It's beautiful. You'll, you'll notice as you read Acts uh, that no matter what they do, uh, the, the gospel seems to expand. Uh, so all of the religious leaders in Jerusalem, they rally together to, to stop this, what they think of as a dangerous heresy of Jesus, and they, and they, they stone to death one of the most prominent um, uh, Christians. And instead of putting a stop to it, it spreads even further. Uh, you know, it, it turns out nothing can stop it. People walk out of jail cells um, because uh, the spirit can't be stopped. Uh, we find in, in Acts um, historic uh, enemies, uh, religious enemies in the blood, Jewish people and, and Gentiles, are brought together to eat at the same table, something uh, that, that has never happened in this way before. Uh, uh, God's uh, spirit can't be stopped. It's bringing people together. And you find, and you'll notice in the early church, there's, there's uh, different genders and classes and, and religious backgrounds and ethnicities. They're all coming together to eat around the same table. They're all believing in Jesus no matter where they came from. It, it's never happened like that before. You'll notice that when the spirit encounters hurt and sick people, um, they're healed. You'll notice that when uh, the gospel comes and the Spirit encounters people, people sell everything and dedicate themselves uh, to caring for each other. You'll find um, uh, evil spirits and oppressive systems sent away and destroyed. Nothing can stop uh, the movement of the Spirit in Acts. And you can really read all of Acts as a story about that, that no matter what happens, uh, it doesn't work. In fact, the, the best example is the person who closes out uh, the book of Acts today. It's, it's a person named Paul. Paul you know, stood by uh, while the first Christian martyr was killed. Uh, he had a mandate to capture more people, to kill them from all over the place. And uh, God didn't let Paul stop what he was doing. In fact, God uh, stepped in Paul's way and turned him around and turned the worst, biggest enemy of the church into its, its biggest advocate and ally. Um, the story of Acts is that God can't be stopped. 
doesn't matter if you're a priest or if you have a lot of spears or soldiers or if you're a prison or a misguided church person or a wrong person. Uh, no one can stop what God's doing in, in Acts. Uh, death turns to life, slave to free, enemy to friend. It's unstoppable. Well, as our, as our story continues, today we're looking at the, the last story of this unstoppable gospel. As if you've been here with us, you know Paul has been on his way to Rome. So he allowed himself to be captured and brought to Rome to stand trial before Caesar for, for lots of reasons. And so in our scripture, Paul gets to Rome and he's put on house arrest in Rome to await trial, Okay. So he's, this is his, partially his plan, and God's at work in this, and he wants to go to Rome uh, to face trial, um, to make his case before Caesar. But what I think is really interesting is Acts, uh, despite the fact that for the last, like, five chapters, every other line was, Paul's got to go to Rome to make his case before Caesar, uh, Acts actually doesn't include this trial at all. It just leaves it off completely. Uh, the author of Acts... Um, we think is most likely the same person that wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke, um, he doesn't think it's worth mentioning. Even though he's built up all this expectation, it's kind of like um, if you're a drama kid, like it's Chekhov's gun just never goes off. Like we're going to go to Caesar, we're going to go see Caesar, and it never happens. Instead, uh, we have this last, um, this last story. And it starts with Paul on house arrest outside Rome. And he invites all of the, the Roman Jewish leaders, all the Jewish uh, people dispersed in Rome to come to his house and hear his story. Because, you know, Paul has been in conflict with, um, with uh, the Jewish people of his day. Paul's a Jew, um, but, you know, bringing this whole new Jesus thing in caused all kinds of problems. And so he invites all of the Jewish leaders to his house. And, and it starts in verse 23. Uh, it says, They arranged to meet Paul on a certain day, and came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. So, so just a, a crowd of these dispersed Jewish leaders. Uh, and it says um, that Paul witnessed to them from morning till evening. Uh, and he explains about the kingdom of God, and from the law of Moses, from the prophets, he tries to persuade them about Jesus. So instead of uh, Luke including his trial before Caesar and making his case for why he shouldn't be uh, in jail or executed, which will happen to him eventually, but not in Acts. Um, instead of uh, counting that, Luke decides to tell this story. He says, when Paul gets to Rome, the first thing he does is bring all of his countrymen, all the leaders of his countrymen, to hear from him. And he gets to do something right here that, if you've been with us, he's never had a chance to do uh, throughout this whole story. Because every time Paul starts to explain who Jesus is, uh, starts to tell the story of Jesus, people get angry, and they cut him off. He gets captured and pulled away. But finally, finally, Paul gets to make his case. And, and we see that he gets morning till evening. He gets a whole day to speak. Uh, if you know, Paul famously is a long-winded preacher. And so he speaks to them uh, all day long. And this is the first time he really gets to make his case to his fellow Jews. Paul gets all the time that he needs, he has all of the information, he knows who Jesus is, he knows the scriptures like the back of his hand, you know, he's studied this stuff his whole life, and he says, okay, here's what's going on, here's how it points to Jesus. All day long they sat and listened to them, and Paul says, you know, guys, Jesus is the hope that your scripture, the whole Old Testament is pointing to. He's what we've been waiting for, 
And he says this, he says, you know, and we don't know exactly what he says, but we can presume that he says, this is, Jesus is the answer to your question. Um, you know, uh, turn and follow Jesus. Just like the same message is repeated throughout Acts. You know, turn and follow Jesus. And verse 24 tells us how they responded. Uh, it says, in verse 24, I don't have a slide for that one, it says, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. Now you can imagine Paul, you know, he's been trying to give this message to people uh, just like him, that he grew up with, that he deeply cares about and loves. People uh, with the same faith, the same background, and he gives it perfectly, and he has all the time that he needs, and, and we know the Holy Spirit's at work, but no matter how uh, good a job he did, we find out that some were convinced, but others just would not believe. Uh, there are other times in Acts where, you know, it talks about, oh, thousands of people came to faith, thousands of people accepted, but you can tell uh, this is a disappointment to Paul. It's not maybe what he was hoping for. This is not necessarily his plan. Some were convinced, but others not so much. Continues verse 25. It says, and so the people that were convinced and the people that weren't, they disagreed among themselves, and they began to leave after Paul made his final statement. Uh, and so this is very, you know, we're talking about a drama here. This is very anticlimactic. He gets everything, uh, he says everything that he wanted to say, and some believe, some, some don't. And so afterwards, uh, it tells us that they argued uh, with each other after Paul made his final statement. Here it is. Uh, Paul says this. His final statement is a quote from the book of Isaiah. Uh, so this is in the Old Testament. This is their scripture. He says, um, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through the prophet Isaiah, this is the end of verse 25 through 27, Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, go to this people and say, you will be ever hearing but never understanding, ever seeing but never perceiving. Paul says, you know, it, it's not a surprise to me, it shouldn't be. Because God's word says this, is you're going to be ever hearing, you're going to listen and learn and give plenty of time to try and understand, but you'll never understand completely. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. You can see it, but you can't see it. Uh, and he continues, and this is why Isaiah says, for this people, and, and Isaiah is talking about God's people, the people closest to God, who God loved and chose and built into a nation, Isaiah says, and Paul quotes after, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they've closed their eyes. Other word, otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Paul's saying, as I stand here with, with you guys, you've heard the whole case, and it's obvious to Paul that this is still true. Uh, and, and that uh, sentiment is actually all over the Old Testament. If you, if you want to understand one uh, repeated message throughout the Old Testament, uh, starting all the way back in Genesis, is that um, oftentimes the people closest to God um, who hear and see and know the truth have the hardest time uh, embracing it. You know, in Genesis, when the first man and woman walked the garden in the cool of the day with God himself, and he told them not to eat from the tree. They could not hear his message. Generations of men and women in the Old Testament we read about, uh, they hear God's voice and they see miracles. They have a whole story of how God formed their nation out of slavery. But again and again in the Old Testament, um, so many just can't hear it. 
and it's repeated in the Gospels, is those who see Jesus and see his miracles and eat the food, uh, they, they just can't quite turn to be healed by God. And it's repeated in Paul's life. People would see, they'd hear a, a beautiful a message or whatever, tying scripture together and, and pulling every thread together, and, and they, they won't see or hear, and they won't be healed. Paul brings it up here as well. He says, you, you, you don't see. And, and I, think, um, I think we see this uh, too. It's all throughout the Old Testament. It's all in the New Testament, and we see it today. Often the people uh, who have the closest proximity to faith and to God have the hardest time turning to God. Um, that Genesis, or that Acts shows this well. The Gentiles who have been far away from the God of Israel for a long time, who have completely foreign cultures and customs, they have a much easier time seeing God than the people that grew up uh, reading, reading the Bible. Uh, sometimes the people who seem to know God best have the hardest time hearing him. Uh, we see it today. Uh, people, sometimes people who go to church the most often have the hardest time seeing God when he shows up. Sometimes it's the people who read the Bible the most who have the hardest time understanding God's voice in it. Sometimes it's the people who are the most certain, just like the Israelites, of their inclusion among God's people that they have the hardest time turning to God's call. And so Paul uh, he, he just says it plainly. He names the reality. He says, it seems the whole story of the Bible is about just how stubborn and closed and unrepentant humanity is. Talk about a, a, a messed up plan that makes you feel terrible, right? You read the Bible and you get that message. It's like, man, people are stubborn. Man, I am stubborn. And if you've lived through these days and times, you know, it's easy to embrace hopelessness. Uh, and Isaiah seems to embrace it. God speaks, but you won't hear. Uh, but God's word, right, it can't be stopped. That's the story of Acts. Uh, God's spirit can't be stopped. That little grass, it grows up no matter how you pave over it. Paul says this in verse 28. You had a chance to hear and you refused. Your ears were closed. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. Because salvation, the Spirit, it can't be stopped. It's always going out. And the people that it goes out to is to the people who are willing to listen. And this is how Acts ends, and it, it sort of echoes uh, Paul's statement. It says in verse 30, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. He's, he's under house arrest. He's got a, a jailer with him. Uh, and he welcomes all who came to see him. He proclaimed about the kingdom and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Uh, Paul says, even though um, we've run into hard hearts, uh, God is always ready for those who will listen. And, and then that's it. It just ends, ends the book. It drives people crazy because we never uh, learn in Acts what happens to Paul. We never learn what happens when he talks to Caesar. Uh, we, we know a little bit of this from other sources, but we, we never learn. Uh, Luke just says, okay, so Paul spent the next two years uh, preaching and teaching people, and the people who listened could listen, and he closes the book. And I, and I think that's because, I think uh, the reason uh, uh, Paul uh, doesn't uh, tell us what happened to Paul, uh, the reason uh, uh, Acts doesn't tell us how all the disciples ended their lives or or what the moral of the story was, um, and I think it's because at the end of the day, it, it doesn't really matter 
what happened to Paul. It doesn't really matter um, what happened to him to Luke, because the story of Acts is about the spirit who goes to those who will listen. The story of Acts, the gospel of Luke, it's, it's not about Paul. They're about a God who is the father who sends and sends and sends and sends, even though he encounters hard, unrepentant hearts again and again. They're about the son who dies and rises so that we can have hope and about the spirit who spreads the message like a wildfire to those who will listen. And so if that's the story of Acts, the question that it leaves us with, and the first people that read Acts all the way through today, we're, we're left with a question. So we've, we've heard the story, and if you've been with us this summer, you've heard about how God's Spirit has just pushed through obstacle after obstacle, how God's Spirit has challenged people to turn away from their own ways and follow Jesus' ways. We've, we've read that whole story together, and I encourage you, if you haven't, sit down and, and read it. It's not really that long. Uh, and then we get to sit in, in that same place. We get that same question. The story's been told. The message has been presented. We know who God is and what the good news is. The book is closed. The case is made. And we get the same question that the people of Israel got throughout history. The one Paul um, changed his answer to because God showed up for him. The one many Gentile people answered and some of those gathered with Paul on that day. It's that same question. Um, will we choose uh, life or death? Will we choose to turn and follow Christ wherever Christ is going? Or will we keep going in our own ways? Will we turn towards Christ or keep going uh, towards something else? Maybe a better way to phrase that question as, as Christians in uh, the days that we live in is, will we turn towards Christ or keep trying to turn Christ towards us? Will we believe that God died so we may have eternal, abundant, glorious, explosive, pouring out life into others that blesses the world and the people that God puts in our path? Will we believe that God can raise the dead? Or will we keep fighting to make sure we have enough, make sure we have enough comfort, uh, keep making our own justice, keep focused on protecting our own interests and our own narrow views and keep trying to pull Christ along with us because the case has been made in Luke and Acts. God can't be stopped, and so we can either follow him where he's going or we can keep our hearts hard. Are we willing to be convinced by Christ or are we going to go back to the way of the world? Are we willing to be transformed uh, and turn our lives after Jesus? Or will we go back to our own ways? Are we willing to be transformed by the Spirit who changes and challenges us and directs us in new ways? Or are we going to keep trying to squish God into our ideas, our dreams, our lives, our politics, our views that we already have firmly established? Are we willing to hear and be changed in turn? Or will the message go on to somebody else? And that's, that's it. That's every time we read Scripture, that's the question. Are we going to let it change us, or are we going to convince ourselves that it already agrees with what we have to say? Are we going to let God change us, or are we going to convince ourselves that we know what's right and God can come along with us, too? Uh, at, at Bethel, every month, we, we come around this table together, and we, uh, when we do that, we drink, you know, a little bit of uh, grape juice and a little bit of bread. Um, and it's a reminder that a life of faith isn't about 
um, being right all the time isn't about having all the right answers or being perfect or always, always doing exactly what we should do, but it's about um, receiving from Christ and following him. And so every month we come together and we eat a little piece of bread and, and we say this bread is Jesus' body broken for us and this cup is his blood shed for us because we believe that if we follow Christ, if we, if we receive from him what he's offering to us, um, that, that's, that's all we need. That's, that's all we need. And so we're invited to this table. And I, I say as we eat this in a few moments, uh, may this be a physical sign of our submission to him and also his gracious offering to us. May it be a physical sign of our decision, our commitment to hear what Christ has to say and turn towards him and away from whatever that something else is for you. Uh, and if you don't know what that is, you're probably just following it faithfully. But take some time to think about what that is. I know I have to. So today, um, let's, let's pray. Lord, you sent your son in the flesh so we know who you are. He died on the cross so that we could be forgiven our failures and sins. And he rose again so that if we put our faith and trust in him, we'd be promised eternal life. You sent your spirit to fill us up and make us new right now. And so, Lord, together we confess our failures, the ways we've walked in wrong directions, the ways we've walked down our own paths and tried to drag God along. We repent of those things and we receive the gift of your son as death and resurrection for us. And as we come to the table, Lord, prepare our hearts to, to act that out, that it might uh, be more than a, a piece of bread and a little bit of grape juice, that it might be more than an action repeated, um, but a reminder of what you've done for us and what it means to turn from our old ways uh, towards something new. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us. You can find out more about our church, our live stream, and our in-person services at BethelCove.org. Thanks and have a great week.